Um, so we're talking about forgiveness and then service. So forgiveness and service. Those are two things that are essential to healthy, God-honoring, life-giving relationships. Um, I heard a pastor, a pretty well-known pastor, one of my favorite preachers, um, Ligon Duncan. He's not going to listen to this, so who cares if he hears it and doesn't want me to repeat this. But um, Ligon Duncan, do y'all know who that is? Anybody? Okay, Ligon Duncan, is, he was a minister at First President Jackson, Mississippi, and now he's the chancellor of RTS, all the RTS campuses, the Reformed Theological Seminary campuses. Anyway, he was preaching at our church not long ago, and he said this, and it, it really resonated with me. He said, couples don't fall out of love, they fall out of forgiveness. Um, couples don't fall, fall out of love, they fall out of forgiveness. Generally, when a marriage is struggling... Each, each spouse has a long list of offenses that they're hold, holding on to. Um, and there's no forgiveness there. And so if we're going to have healthy, God-honoring, life-giving relationships, we have to have forgiveness. It's essential to those relationships. Um, all right, so first we have to ask, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? I think this is really important. Forgiveness is four promises. It's four promises. I've started them up here. So when you forgive somebody, say somebody come, they gossip about you, and then they come to you and say, hey, will you forgive me for that? Here's what you're promising if you say yes. You're promising, I will not bring this up to you again. I will not bring this up to you again. Um, this means, this doesn't mean like, if you still have some work, like if you still need to work through it, that's okay to talk about it. But what I mean by this is I will not bring this up to you again to hold it over you, to hold it against you. I'm not going to hold this against you anymore. I'm not going to try to make you feel guilty anymore. Um, I'm not going to bring it up to you again. Uh, I'm not going to leverage it against you. I'm not going to use it to manipulate you. Um, It's done. We're not, like, this isn't a conflict between us anymore. Um, So that's the first promise. I will not bring this up to you again. Second promise is I will not bring this up to others again. So I'm not going to go talk about this with my friends. Um, We're not going to talk about what a horrible thing that you did to me. Um, We're not going to gossip about this. We're not going to slander you. Um, I'm not going to vent about this to everybody else. Um, You're promising I'm not going to bring this up to others again. And again, this doesn't mean... Like, there might be times where it's healthy to talk about this with others. Um, like, if you're talking to a counselor or a pastor and trying to just work through it, that's okay. But if you're talking about it in a way to get back at that person or to kind of um, smear their reputation, then, uh, then it's not forgiveness. If you're still holding it against them, it's not forgiveness. Um, I will not bring this up to me again, is the third promise. So I'm not going to just sit here and dwell on it and stew over it and just be angry about it. Um, You're promising, hey, I'm not going to be angry about this anymore. Um, I'm not going to bring it up to me again. Um, I'm not going to harbor bitterness about this. Um, And then the fourth, fourth promise is this. I will seek to live at peace with you. I will seek to live at peace with you. Um, and again, we talked about this the other day, Romans 12, 18. Insofar as you are able, live at peace with all people. Um, 
this is, uh, this is just the promise that I'm going to try my best to live at peace with you. Um, I'm going to seek your good. I'm going to pray for you. Um, I'm going to do what's best for you. Um, so, look, so we talked about on the first day, if you have, the only way you can have healthy, God-honoring, life-giving relationships if it, is if you first have a relationship with God through Christ. Okay? If you understand the gospel, that's the only time that you can have healthy relationships with other people. Look, this is how Christ forgives you. Think about that. Jesus doesn't throw our sin back in our face and dangle it in front of us and be like, hey, remember that time you messed up? Remember that? He doesn't try to make you feel more guilty for your sin. He says it's forgiven. It's done. I paid the price for that. So he doesn't bring it up to you again. He doesn't hold it over your head anymore. Okay? He also says, I'm not going to bring this up to others again. How awful would it be if we had a screen up here and Jesus was like, all right, I'm going to show your sin to everybody uh, in this room. That would be horrible, right? And so God doesn't show our sin to everybody. He doesn't shame us with our sin. Uh, He forgives. Uh, I will not bring this up to me again. Think about that. Jesus says, I will cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. It's done. It's paid for. It's in the past. He doesn't bring it up to, to him again. And I will seek to live at peace with you. Christ pursues us. He pursues us in love. We constantly are walking away from him, running away from him to other loves. And he pursues us. He wants to have a peaceful, loving relationship with us. And so look, if you, if you don't get this, like if you don't understand that you have been forgiven in this way by Christ, you can't offer that forgiveness to other people. Um, so that's essential to, to um, healthy relationships and offering forgiveness. Uh, it's kind of like this. Our forgiveness is kind of like a shadow. Like, do y'all ever do the shadow puppets? Like, this is my go-to. That's the dog. Um, that's the only one I know. Um, my three-year-old thinks it's pretty awesome. So, um, so but it, our forgiveness is kind of like a shadow of Christ's forgiveness. Like, a shadow is real, right? Like, a shadow is the real thing. I mean, it's real, but it's not the actual thing. Like, it points to something else, like something more real. It points to my hand. Um, our forgiveness is a shadow of Christ's forgiveness. Without Christ's forgiveness, our, our forgiveness can't be real forgiveness. Um, we can't know real forgiveness without Christ's forgiveness. And so our forgiveness points to Christ's forgiveness, points to a more real forgiveness. Um, so, so that's what forgiveness is, is these four promises. Let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Okay? Forgiveness is not forgetting. Y'all heard forgive and forget? That's garbage. You can't just make yourself forget something. Um, so especially, like, the more painful it is, the more you're going to remember, right? Um, so you can't just forget things. Um, God doesn't have amnesia. He doesn't forget about our sin. He just doesn't hold it against us anymore. Um, so forgiving is not forgetting. You can't forget. You can't make yourself forget. But you can choose to not hold it against that person anymore. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not peace at all costs. It's not peace at all costs. Like I told y'all, uh, yes, I think it was or two days ago, the Amazing Race story, the guy that was just lightning to his girlfriend. Um, she wanted peace at all costs, and so she owned his sin and, uh, and asked for forgiveness for it. 
Um, that's not really forgiveness. That, that relationship, there's no forgiveness there, really. Um, she wanted peace at all costs, and so she owned the other person's sin, and that's not healthy. Um, Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17 says it requires confrontation. You go to somebody that sins against you. You're not a doormat. If you forgive somebody, that doesn't mean you just lay down and take it. Like abuse, like if you're in a, an abusive relationship, um, you don't just forgive and stay in that relationship. Um, there has to be something done about it. There has to be some accountability, um, some confrontation there. So forgiveness does not mean that you're a, door, a doormat. Um, Matthew eighteen fifteen through 17. That's if someone sins against you, you go to them and confront them. If they're unrepentant, you take another person with you. Um, and then you go before the church. That's, that's, by the way, that's church discipline. Um, the session would be that third level. Um, anyway, all right. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not peace at all costs. And forgiveness is not necessary to have from other people. Forgiveness is not necessary. You don't need somebody's forgiveness. Like if you sin against somebody and they refuse to forgive you and they constantly hold it against you, you can't do anything about that. You don't need their forgiveness. The only forgiveness you need is the Lord's. And He is ready to forgive you. Um, He's ready to give it. Um, So you don't need other people's approval. You want it, and that's good. You want reconciliation in that relationship. But if they won't give it to you, you don't need that. You need forgiveness from the Lord. All right, um, let's go to Matthew 18. We're going to read kind of a long story here about forgiveness. Matthew 18. <clears throat> so what we do in my youth group when there's kind of a longer passage, we just, I just ask somebody to start reading and read a few verses, and then somebody else just pick up where they leave off, and we can kind of work through the passage really quick, and nobody has to read, like, a whole chapter. So um, could somebody just start in verse 21, and then just read a few verses, and whenever they stop, somebody else pick up, and we'll just do that all the way through verse 35. Who wants to start us? We'll just, okay. Thanks, Georgia.
All right. So uh, this is a pretty sobering story, um, especially that last verse. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, so basically, this guy has has borrowed money, um, and he. So I, I looked this up, and he borrowed about nine hundred thousand to a million dollars of today's money. Uh, yeah, he borrowed a ton of money from this guy, and. Um, uh, is it a ruler? Is that right? Or just his master? His master. Um, so he borrowed, we'll say, a million dollars from his master. Couldn't pay it back. And, it, and he begged for mercy from his master. His master forgave him. Uh, he said, that's all right. I clear the debt. You're good to go. And then the guy went and found somebody that owed him about the equivalent of $150 and choked him out to get him to repay the money and he wouldn't pay it, so he threw him in jail. The master finds out about this and lights into him and then throws him in jail. Um, look, this is a, a picture of forgiveness. Um, this is, this is Jesus' uh, parable on forgiveness. And he's, what he's showing is, uh, is basically what I was saying about the shadow thing. Like, if you don't have, if you don't know the forgiveness of Christ, you cannot offer other people forgiveness. But if you do know the forgiveness of Christ, you should offer and can offer people forgiveness. Um, and so look, forgiveness is costly. Offering somebody forgiveness is costly. But so is not offering somebody forgiveness. Okay? There's a cost to forgiveness and there's a cost to withholding forgiveness. Um, so the cost of not forgiving. In this parable, um, how would you describe the unforgiving servant? Selfish. It's selfish. Yeah. What else? Unforgiving. Yeah, unforgiving. What else? Is he pretty happy? No. He's greedy. Yeah, he's greedy. Um, what's his? What are his emotions like? Volatile. Yeah, yeah. He's angry. He's violent. He's bitter. Um, look, if you if you are unforgiving, if you are withholding forgiveness, that unforgiveness, that anger, that bitterness starts to take root in your heart, and it's it's like it really is like the longer it's there, the roots kind of grip your heart more and more, and you become angry and bitter and violent. We all know people who have held grudges for years, and they are miserable because of it. Um, we might have that in our families. Um, but there's a cost to withholding forgiveness. And part of that is just it enslaves you to bitterness and anger. Um, so Matthew 18.35, look at that verse again. Matthew 18.35. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. That's pretty sobering, Right? Um, Jesus is saying, if you're unforgiving, I will be unforgiving to you. Um, so it's, it's costly, right, to withhold forgiveness. Um, and it doesn't mean that your salvation is dependent on forgiving somebody or not forgiving somebody. What Jesus is saying is that if you're unwilling to forgive a person that's seeking it, it's a good sign that you don't know the forgiveness of Christ. An unforgiving heart is a telltale sign of somebody that doesn't know forgiveness. Uh, just like 
my coworker that smoked, it, his, his, the aroma of those cigarettes gave away who he was. An unforgiving heart gives away um, who you really are. And so uh, our actions reveal our heart. So withholding forgiveness is costly, not just for you. Like it'll enslave you to bitterness and anger and you'll just be miserable. Um, but it also separates you from the Lord. Um, and so it's costly. Uh, but it's also costly to forgive. Um, in the parable, the servant owed about a million dollars. Who took the hit on that? The master. That's right. The master absorbed that cost. He didn't get his million dollars back. Um, it is costly to forgive. The servant owed him that. The master had every right for that servant to owe him, to pay it back. And he said, that's all right. You don't owe me anymore. Look, when somebody wrongs you, you kind of have a right for them to pay you back, to make it right. Right? When you offer them forgiveness, you absorb that cost and you say, you don't owe me anymore. You don't have to make this right anymore when you forgive them. Um, so you give up your right for the other person to owe you. Um, you absorb the pain. You absorb the pain. You don't get to get back at them. You don't get to make them feel pain like you did. Um, but you have the opportunity, like even though it's costly, you have the opportunity to gain reconciled relationships. Those life-giving relationships. The gospel sets us free from bitter and, bitterness and anger. Um, so call, forgiveness is costly, uh, but it's more costly to not forgive. All right, so how can we have forgiveness in relationships? Uh, we're going to get real practical here. Um, you have to ask for it. Uh, if you've offended somebody, you need to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. So how do you do that? First, you name the sin. Name the sin specifically. Um, never mind. I thought of a funny story that I probably shouldn't tell. Um, so name the sin specifically. Uh, in, in, like, don't just... Say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, and, and name the sin. Um, name the sin. Second is confess that it was wrong for you to do that or not do that. Um, and then third, ask the person if they'll forgive you. So look, here's, a, here's an example of a bad way to ask for forgiveness. Hey, I'm sorry if you were offended by my joke. I was just kidding. Um, why is that a bad way to ask for forgiveness? You're yeah, you're blaming them. You're saying you shouldn't have been offended. I was just kidding. Um, what'd you say? So that's not yeah. Don't right. Yeah. There's no sorrow. There's no grief over what you've done. You don't really believe it was wrong. Um, you didn't really name the sin. You, you called it a joke. Um, that's not really naming the sin. Um, so that's a bad way to ask for forgiveness. A better way is, uh, hey, I'm sorry I joked about you like that. That was wrong for me to try to get a laugh at your expense. Will you forgive me? Um, that's a better way. Name the sin. Say, I was trying to get a laugh at your expense. I was using you to kind of build myself up. That was wrong for me to do that. Will you forgive me? Name the sin and ask for forgiveness. Um, hey, and it's the same with, with forgiveness with the Lord. We need to be specific in our repentance with the Lord. Name your sin. Um, it's good to say, you know, it's fine to say, forgive us, forgive us of our sins. Um, but it's good to name those specifically. Okay, so, uh, or a lot of times, this is, I'm, I'm bad about doing this, we excuse it 
um, by saying, like, oh, I was tired. Like, hey, I'm sorry I did that. I was tired. Um, we try to put the blame on something else instead of owning it. Um, and that's not, real, that's not a real way to ask for forgiveness either. Uh, and then, so you have to ask for it. You also have to grant it. Look, we are in relationships. If you're in a relationship, there's at least two people there. Both of those people are sinners. Both of those people will sin against each other. Okay? So in relationships, you will have to ask for forgiveness and you'll have to grant forgiveness. Okay? So how do you grant forgiveness? How do you give forgiveness? First, you have to remember the gospel. Remember that you have been forgiven so much more than you even know. Like the servant in the story. Um, look, we have offended a holy, almighty God. For, I mean, just our, everybody in here is pretty young. Up until this point, we have sinned against Him so much. And we will continue to sin against Him for the next 60, 70 years. And He's forgiven all of it. Um, we've been, been forgiven so much. So you have to remember the gospel. Remember that Jesus forgives you like this, these four promises. Remember those four promises, and you can uh, forgive people that way. Okay, another way you can grant forgiveness is to remember that God is just. God is just. You don't have to get revenge. Um, You don't have to get back at somebody. You don't have to get even, because God is just. You You can overlook an offense because God does not. That person's sin will either be punished in hell for eternity, which you, we can pray it will not be, um, but that person's sin will either be punished in hell for eternity or punished in Jesus on the cross. Okay, God doesn't let anything slide, and so we can. We can offer forgiveness. We don't have to get revenge. We don't have to get payback. Um, another way, I think this is really important too, another way to grant forgiveness is to keep doing it. When you see that person, it's going to be really hard not to bring it up to you again, right? Every time you see that person, you're probably going to think about the way that they hurt you. Keep practicing forgiveness. Every time you see them, offer forgiveness to that person in your heart. Um, It takes work. It's hard. But guard your heart from bitterness and anger. All right, so look, if if you've never asked for the Lord's forgiveness, if you've never named your sin and ask for the Lord to forgive you, and trust that, that this is true for you, that the Lord does not hold it against you anymore, do that now. Do it now. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There is nothing He cannot forgive. There is nothing that he, will, that he won't say, I'm not holding this against you anymore. The Lord is ready to forgive, and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Look, if you're harboring bitterness towards somebody, uh, maybe you need to forgive that person. Um, Offer them forgiveness. Don't be enslaved to bitterness and anger. Maybe you need to go to that person and let them know they hurt you. Um, You might need to go talk about it, like the Matthew 18 uh, principle. Go to that person, talk about it. Maybe you need to forgive them from a distance. And trust that God is just. Um, pray for your enemies. Love them. Do not return evil for evil. Look, I've wrestled with the question, do you have to forgive somebody that doesn't ask for it? What if, no, what if the person has hurt you and they never come to you and ask for forgiveness? Do you have to forgive them? Um, the, 
I'm not sure, but I do know this. I do know this. The Lord calls us to love our enemies because he's loved us when we've been his enemies. We sinned against him and he died for us. We do have to love our enemies, pray for them. And I think we can forgive them in our heart. I think there's two different things. We can forgive somebody in our heart and then there's like relational reconciliation. Um, you cannot have relational reconciliation if they do not ask for forgiveness, right? But you can forgive them in your heart and not be bitter and angry anymore. So if you've hurt somebody, y'all talk to them today. Like if you've offended somebody on this trip, if you've sinned against somebody and they've been hurt, go talk to them today. Name your sin and ask for forgiveness. How many of y'all have been in a relationship where somebody has asked for forgiveness, like they've named their sin and asked for forgiveness from you, and you've granted them forgiveness, or you've asked for forgiveness of them. How many of y'all have been in a relationship like that? How many of y'all experienced a stronger relationship after that? Yeah. Look, if you go to that person and ask for forgiveness, you will strengthen your relationship. You'll experience that life-giving relationship, those echoes of Eden, the way that relationships are meant to be, if you go to that person and ask for forgiveness. Um, Alright, so forgiveness is, is the first thing that we're, we're talking about that is essential to relationships. The second is service, or just like Christ-like service. Um, let's all go to John 13. John 13. We're going to do the same thing where I have you all read just a few verses each, and then we're going to read... 13, 1 through 17. Can somebody go ahead and start? Alright, so look, selflessness, I think, 
selflessness is the defining characteristic of a Christian's life because it is the defining characteristic of Christ. Look, God is love. Love is, by definition, selfless. Um, So it is the defining characteristic of Jesus, and it should be of us too, of our relationships. And so here's what we see about Jesus' sacrificial love. First, his circumstances don't determine his service. Okay, his circumstances don't determine his service. Um, Jesus knew what was about to happen. Look, he knew that he was about to go to the cross. He knew his time had come for him to die. He knew the full cup of God's wrath was about to be poured on him. That's why he sweated blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was coming. He knew what God's wrath was going to be like. He knew what was about to happen. He knew his friends were going to betray him. He knew he was going to be alone. He knew he'd be beaten within an inch of his life. Then tortured for another six hours on the cross. He knew he was going to face his father's wrath alone. Think about that. Jesus, Jesus escaped to, to his father. First, he'd been with his father for eternity past. Then he comes to earth. Throughout his ministry on earth, he escapes to his father constantly to go in prayer. Go and pray by himself. On the cross... Remember, he says, my father, my father, why have you forsaken me? He knew his father was going to turn his face away. He knew that was coming. Um, look, he, he knew all this was coming, and he still got down and washed his disciples' feet. Washing feet was like the worst job you could do back then, because everybody walked around in sandals, you know. It's like if you're walking around here in Chacos, you're going hiking in Chacos, at the end of the day, your feet are going to be nasty. Might have some cow poop on it from the trail, you know, or cow poop, horse poop. Uh, it'd be really funny if the cows are just going up and down. Um, horse poop. Um, but so, so feet are nasty when you're walking around in sandals outside all day, right? Look, this would have been the job for the lowest servant in the house, and it would have been his worst job. Like it would have been their that person's worst job to do. They would have hated that job. And Jesus is about to go into all this stuff. And if anybody had the right to say, guys, just y'all just serve me. I'm about to face God's wrath. Can y'all just comfort me? Um, can y'all just do this for me this one time? But he didn't. His circumstances did not determine his service. Um, another example is John the, when John the Baptist was beheaded. Y'all remember that story? John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin. He was beheaded. Um, and Jesus finds out about it, and he goes off into the wilderness to pray. And probably grieve. Um, we know Jesus grieved. Um, and he went off into the wilderness. And a crowd of people follow him. And they just show up. And like if that was me. I'd have been like leave me alone. Like my cousin was just beheaded. Let me grieve a little bit. And it says Jesus had compassion on them. And he healed them. He healed their sick. Um, Jesus' circumstances never determined. Whether or not he was going to serve. Um, I had a. I've never met this lady. I know who she is. Some of you may have heard of her. Susan Felker. Does anybody know her? Um, okay, so Susan Felker passed away um, a couple months ago. Um, she, she was this awesome lady from what I hear. Um, and do you know Brian Sorgenfry? He's the RUF minister at Mississippi State. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, at Ole Miss. He was at Mississippi State. He's at Ole Miss now. But Brian said that when he, he, he knew her well, he went to visit her one time when she was in the hospital. She died of cancer. Um, 
and she had been going through all this horrible chemo and everything. And he said he went to visit her, and he was kind of he was putting his pastor hat on, you know, like I'm gonna go minister to her. She really needs me to go minister to her. And he said he showed up, and he was there for two hours. And when he left, he realized they talked about him the whole time. She ministered to him the whole time. She's on her deathbed. She's miserable from chemo, and she's ministering to him. Her circumstances did not determine whether or not she was going to serve. Um, and so ours shouldn't either. Um, so when you're tempted to wallow in self-pity, um, remember Christ's service. He went through the worst thing anybody has ever gone through, and he served. He was focused on serving others. Look, when you've had a bad day or you're tired, um, don't let that be an excuse for not giving of yourself. Um, even when you go home tomorrow, you get home and you're exhausted because you've been here all week not sleeping and doing a lot of fun stuff. When you get home and your parents ask, how was your trip? Don't just say, fine, and like go to your bed. Like, it is, it's going to be a service to you to tell your parents how your trip went. Like, they want that. They, they really want to hear how your trip went. And it is completely selfish to just say, fine, and walk into your room and go to bed. Um, spend some time talking to them. Thank them for spending the money to send you here. Um, but, but talk to them. Um, look, there's, there's a lot of talk about self-care these days. I don't know if there is in y'all circles. There is in mine. Like, if you're just, you just can't do it anymore you got to take some time for yourself um there's some wisdom in that like you don't want to get burnt out like jesus retreated off to pray by himself a lot of times um but but that's not an excuse to not serve others um it can't be an excuse to not serve others jesus calls us to die to ourselves daily to take up our cross um so our circumstances should not determine whether or not we serve and thank God Jesus is dead. Um, second, the disciples' worthiness didn't decide whether or not he was going to serve them. Okay? Look, it says, uh, it says Judas, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Judas was in the line of disciples that Jesus was washing their feet. Jesus knew, Judas, you're going to be the one that betrays the Son of Man with a kiss. You sold me for 30 pieces of silver. I'm going to wash your feet. I'm going to wash that manure, that dirt off of your feet. Peter was there. What did Peter do when Jesus was about to go to the cross? Yeah, denied him three times. Peter was so scared and so ashamed of Jesus, denied him three times. Jesus washes his feet. Jesus loves him. Think about us. Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. We have been giving God the middle finger for years, and he died for us. Um, we've offended him, and he died for us while we were still sinners. Um, and, and Jesus says that this, this, this is like a symbol, the washing of feet. He's, he's given them cleanliness. He's given them righteousness, eternal life. Um, he's going to serve them in a huge way in just a little while. Um, this is just a picture of that. Um, imagine that if you're... You're, going, you're getting ready to go to prom. Um, you're going with a big group of people, and you find out, like one of the people in your friend group that you're going with comes to you and says, hey, I think you should know this. Um, but we started a group chat um, that you're not in, and, and we've been talking really bad about you. Like we don't, they, people have been saying they don't want you to come. Um, they can't believe you, know, you got that dress. 
Uh, they've been talking bad about you. Um, what if you found that out? And instead of being angry and bitter and just refusing to go with them, instead of doing that, he said, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to pay for everybody's dinner. I'm going I'm to pay for the limo. I'm going to buy all the girls' dresses, rent all the guys' tuxes. I'm going to pay for everything. Um, that's a picture of Christ's love. Like, like he knew that people were going to betray him, that Judas was going to uh, like sell him for 30 pieces of silver. He knew that. And he paid the price for them. Maybe not Judas. But he paid the price for everybody else. Um, for all those who trust in him. Um, Jesus knew his friends were going to leave him. And he still served them. So their worthiness did not determine his service. So are you willing to serve your enemies? Are you willing to do good for them? To speak well of those people who don't deserve it? Is there anybody too awkward to be your friend? Does your friendship depend on their worthiness? Do you consider others more important than yourselves no matter how much or how little they, conser- they deserve it? Um, look, fight the temptation to serve only those who deserve it. All right, if Christ, if Christ only served those people who deserved it, all of us would burn in hell for eternity. Um, we need to serve others who don't deserve it too. All right, and then lastly, this is the last thing. Oh, I'm going long. I don't care. All right, this is the last thing. Jesus' position didn't determine whether Jesus served or not. Think about that. Jesus, the creator of the universe, is down on his knees, dressed like a slave, washing feet. Think about that. Um, it would be humiliating for a disciple to take on this task, but the God of the universe took that task on. This is who Jesus is, and think about what he did. Jesus knit together those feet in their mother's womb. Jesus held those dirt particles together by the power of his word. Jesus is the supreme royalty above all kings. Every king's heart is like water in his hands. He turns it wherever he wants to. Kings and presidents are mere puppets of King Jesus. At the name of Jesus, millions upon millions of angels erupt in praise and honor and glory. At any moment, he could have called those angels down to deliver him chose not to because he was serving. Jesus is the climax of all human history. He's the lion of Judah that all of Israel is waiting on. He's the seed in Genesis 3.15 that will crush Satan's head and make all things right. And he's washing feet. He's the creator of billions of galaxies that his disciples didn't even know about. He's the one who spoke and these mountains out here were formed. All the textbooks in the world, physics, chemistry, all the languages, everything that we try to study doesn't even touch his knowledge. And he's washing feet. He's the one who calls out to Lazarus' dead body and says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead body obeys him. He's the one, as Abraham Kuyper says, he's the only one who can look at every square inch of this earth and say, mine. He's washing feet. He looks a raging storm in the face and says, Quiet! And it obeys. It settles down. And these disciples are saying, Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. He's down on his knees like a slave washing feet. He's the only person in all of human history who has the right to literally say, Bow down and worship me. And one day, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess, you are Lord. 
Jesus. Some with tears of fear and dread. Some with tears of joy. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Look, time can't touch Jesus. Time was his idea. And he is on his knees washing feet. Look, he, he died on the cross naked, beaten, spit on, mocked. His position did not determine whether or not he was going to serve us. Is there anything too low or too beneath you to do for somebody else? Thank God there wasn't for Jesus. So look, do the jobs that nobody wants to do. Serve the people that nobody wants to serve. Be the friend to somebody that nobody wants to be a friend to. Give up your rights for the things that you think you deserve for the sake of other people. Self-sacrificing, others-exalting, servant-hearted, humble love should be the mark of Christian relationships because that is the mark of our relationship with Christ. Look, only when you know that, when you know that love, only then can you have life-giving, healthy relationships. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you, Jesus, for coming down to this earth and being mocked and spit on and ridiculed. Thank you for your service, for loving us. Um, it's not even dependent on who we are or what we've done, just because you love us. Pray that you would work that into our hearts. Help us to believe that. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.